0: In the following live session recording, Lynn Pryor, publishing team leader with groups, Lifeway Christian Resources, leads a session entitled Three Key Roles in Your Bible Study Group. Groups function best when three essential roles are carried out, and those roles are teacher, shepherd, and leader. The listener will hear what each role entails and how to enlist others to share in these roles. Let's
1: join Lynn now.
0: What we're going to do is we're going to talk about three roles in the group, but it's based on this book right here. Um, And I don't have a single copy to share with you. Uh, I checked with the guys in the Lifeway booth. They don't have any copies of the book. But ironically, George (laughs) Baptist gave me the wrong book. But I still want to give you this book, and there's a reason. Uh, This is a Sunday school book. And I tell you what, let me just... uh, and I, by the way, I've got plenty of these. There's a reason if you want to take some more, I would recommend you do that. Uh, I think we had enough to go around. This book that you see called Three Rolls. if you hold this up and look at how small it is, that's Three rolls. It looks just like this. Uh, every year, we release a Sunday School-related book about how to be a better teacher, how to be a better leader, how to be a better shepherd. And this one's probably been out four or five years. i got to say, it's my favorite one talks about the three roles that are just essential in a class. So much so that it's a good book that they came out the next year. Someone can have these if they want them. And they did a book on each of a separate book on each of the three roles. Now, um, I've got two websites up here. Lifeway.com slash training resources. That's where you're going to find the new books like satellite. If you go to lifeway.com slash David Francis, and I make sure, I'm sorry, I did not spell Francis right. no one tell David I did this. You will find, David's probably written about 12, 12 or so books of these, and they're great books. He was kind of Mr. Sunday School until he retired. Now, the reason I want you to know about these is what I'm going to tell you relates to the Saddle Up site training resources and where you can see three rolls of David Francis. You can get copies of that book there for $2. It just covers the cost of printing. What you'll get, you'll get a book like this. But you just want to get the PDF ordered electronically. You just download it. There's no cost involved. It's just, it's available. And, and once again, there are books just like this. They're all around, I think some are 48 pages. These are like 64. They're not big books, but you can download that for free. So one reason I want to encourage you to kind of think that through is you may want to, with your church, with other teachers, get the book and y'all work walk through it together. That's the best thing you can do. Because what I'm going to do today, it's going to be very condensed. We're going to just kind of hit some high points. There's some sections we're not even going to touch on. We should have time. But if you get together with some others in your church, y'all can walk through the book, do a chapter a week. You'll also find at those websites, and all this is free again, there's a teaching plan to help guide you if you're working with adults. If anyone by chance happens to work with kids or students, there's teaching plans that'll walk them through. How do you connect this with uh, my, my, my group, of youth, the youth group? There's PowerPoint there. There's, uh, you know, there's things for promotional things. It's all free. It's just there. Um, the only thing you have to pay for is if you want to get a print copy of the book. It just covers the cost of printing it. So, but that, that, that relies to the saddle up that I've just given you um, and to the book like The Three Walls. So that's just, it's just there. I really encourage you to go look at that. Again, it doesn't take long to read the book, but it's kind of fun just to take your time and walk. So, um, with that in mind, we're going to really focus on this book. And what we're going to look at is the three roles with these right here. Teacher, shepherd, reader. And for that, I've got a handout. <laughs> so.
2: And
0: it's really more of a job sheet is what it is. Oh, he's going to pick up This is something I want to just use to kind of capture some notes. I'll, I'll help you fill in some of the blanks there as we go along. But this is the idea for, uh, I want us to see what these three roles are. Now, these may, these may seem very obvious to you. And in some classes, one person is the teacher, the shepherd, and the leader. And you may be gifted in a way such a way that you can cover all three of those great. You may have the time on your hands to do all three of these and run with them well. Phenomenal. But, all three of these need to be covered for an effective, growing group. So that's why I encourage you to think of, if you you look at yourself, teaching is what I did, great. Get someone to walk alongside you as a shepherd, or maybe get someone to walk alongside you as the leader of the class. Um, Share the load, share the ministry in class. Even a small class, it's six to eight, 12, you know, 10 people. Share the load. So we're going to kind of walk through what these roles are as we do this. But keep in mind, you may say, boy, I've really got the teaching and the shepherd part now. Just make sure the the tasks that go with these are covered because we need all three. Most of the times we think about Sunday school, uh, uh, a Bible study group. What do you need for that? You need a teacher. Okay? That seems kind of obvious. That's only a part of it. That's only a small part People don't come to your class because we're great teachers. They come from relationships. And so a shepherd and a leader is going to help pull all that together. You can be the greatest teacher there is, but if there's not some way of developing relationships, the teaching can really fall flat. Uh, and if you just want a great teacher, it's all you need. Uh, you Keep know, start to refer to you can go on the Internet. There's, there's videos out there of some the of preachers, teachers you can use. It's, about, it's the relationships that matter. So, we're going to get on it as we go along. So, we're going to begin. We're going to talk about the teacher for just a moment. Uh, this one is we're going to, not going to spend a lot of time here because I hope this one's kind of obvious when you teach. But what image comes to mind when you hear the word teacher? What visual comes to mind for you? Anything come to mind? Somebody standing in front of the class. The lectures there, you yeah. Lecture, just stand in front, okay?
3: Yeah.
0: Somebody keeps you on task. Now, a lot of times we do, we think about um, teachers. Uh, in a Sunday school context, we think of what, what we grew up with in school, public, you know, in a school setting, school teachers. They stand in front of the class, they keep order. Um, what I want us to do, I want to broaden our idea away from, uh, from just, for public school, that's great. For Bible study, teaching is a whole different element. Uh, There's a sense here where we're going to guide people. We're not just going to spew facts at them. So uh, this is a quote from the book Three Roles. Talking does not equal teaching any more than listening equals learning. Honestly, just because I'm up up here standing talking for an hour doesn't mean you're learning anything. The image I prefer best, instead of just saying, well, you need to teach this class, and people thinking that means I've got a lecture for 45 minutes. I prefer the idea of a guide or a facilitator. Uh, some of y'all have been in other conferences we've been in before. I am not a fan of lecture. I do not like lecture. Again, if they need a 45-minute lecture, I can send them a video. I can say, I'm just going to watch a video. I am not a fan of lecture. So what does teaching mean here? Teaching, I like the idea of being a guide. Uh, something I'm going to facilitate the discussion as we get into God's Word. Now, when you think of a guide, how might acting as a guide benefit you as a teacher? How might, how might that benefit the teacher? And I'm not looking for anyone one right answer. I feel like it takes pressure
3: off. Because you don't feel like you have to talk the whole time or like you are the whole thing. Like if you feel
0: like you're just guiding the discussion then it kind of is not as intimidating. Okay, great. Someone else want to add to that? That's good. How does it benefit the teacher? Well,
3: you have some relax.
0: Okay, good. Well, how about guiding then be a benefit for the group members, those who sit in the circle. When they're actively involved, you
2: don't remember yeah. anything if you just hear it. They I don't, at least I don't know, but if I'm actively involved, and thinking about questions what we're talking about, then you know, I remember
0: that. Right. That's good. Now, I like this image of the guys that are hiking because. I'm the one hiking the trail, not the guy. Now, the guy is walking with me, but he's just kind of helping me stay. You know, don't venture off the path. He's just there to guide me so I can enjoy the hike. <laughs> one year, uh, for several years, several, some of us went and taught in Kenya. Taught, we haven't we taught pastors. So I was our last day. We were through teaching. We were headed there, but we stopped and went to one of these uh, safaris. We were just riding and we laid in I mean, you're out there. It's not like seeing a zebra in the zoo. You'll see 40 or 50 zebras coming the other day. So we kind of stopped for a break, and I just started, I'm, I'm, I promise you, I don't walk 10 feet from the roof. And the guide says, don't go over there. And by the way, the guide carried a rifle. He says, you get too far that direction, you don't know what's going to jump out. Now, his job was to help me stay where I needed to stay. But he didn't take away from the enjoyment of the safari. And so as a guide for the class, um, my goal is to help you really benefit from the Bible study uh, and kind of keep us on task, kind of keep us on the trail. uh, Benefits. Now, a lot of people don't like being a guide. You know, we talk about the comfort level. I like that. the, the, The beauty of lecturing, what they see is, as long as I'm lecturing, I control the study. What happens if Lynn asks me a question? What am I going to do? What if I can't answer it? So if I just lecture, I don't allow time for things like that. And the other thing I've noticed when I just kind of facilitate this study, there's others in the group because of their life experiences, what they understand. They're going to throw an idea out that the, me as, as the teacher, I may not have thought about. That's rich. Uh, Weed was in my last conference and we were as we were talking about greeting visitors and helping visitors come back. Several people in that group shared ideas I had thought about. We learn from each other. So my job as a teacher is to be a guide. All I'm going to do is facilitate the discussion but in the process I can learn. Questions, comments? How do you solve
4: a problem when you have one person That likes to talk about their grandchildren, their great grandchildren, and they. We're taking up prayer requests, and she wants to talk. And I keep trying to go to the next person. Like if there's a a pause, I say the next person in line. Do you have a prayer request? But she does it all the time. I'll be curious to
0: hear from others. I have a solution we came up with. In fact, it was with my young adult class. We, at the beginning of the class, uh, I just had a clipboard and a black piece of paper, and I wrote at the t- you know, the date on the top, prayer requests. And what we would do during the Bible study, that would circulate through it. And people had time just to write down whatever request mm-hmm. they did. My wife was sort of, was, was kind of the leader. She's the one who kind of did that administrative sort of stuff. When the, when the list made the round... She took the list, I kind of snuck out, went down to the church office, and made photocopies. And we had our prayer time at the end. Now, everyone had a list, and it cut down the everyone talking about because the details could be written down. Now, every once in a while, we let someone say, Let me explain what I wrote down, and we allow them to do that. Uh, that really saved a lot of time and, and did not take away from the prayer time. Um,
2: Anyone else have an idea on that? that yeah. You know. so if it totally disrupts all the other hours. You have to talk to That There's a risk that i leaving the class, but but you do it in a loving way to explain to them. We better leave them. Others need to learn. I know that's important. Let's talk about that outside of the class rather than in the class. Well, I've talked before, and I say, you
4: know, we have X amount of minutes for. Our prayer request and talk of it, you know. And I said, We don't really need you going into details about this little and that little, one, and then uh, did this sweet little thing, you know. We need to stick to prayer requests.
0: And I found that that was also helpful. We did it at the end. Yeah, we do it at the end. And uh, we just, folks, the pastor's going to give us that look if we're not in the- not that the pastors ever give us a look. You
3: know, I don't know about everybody else. I, I help in a senior adult class, and uh, um, our ladies meet 30 minutes early just so they can get all their talking out. Wow, that's awesome. a good idea. They come to the church at eight thirty. Our church, I mean excuse me, nine o'clock. Between nine and nine fifteen and we start at quarter to ten. And they've had thirty minutes to to visit with each other, fellowship with each other and you know, they and and then we do our and we have our lesson. They we do our prayer time but they have our the lesson and we don't run into the problem of them, you know, and they may get off on a tangent and we have to reel them back in, which is not unusual, but it's not Every Sunday, I think. Sure. But that is something they started themselves. That they decided they would come 30 minutes early and because they're up anyway, and they would come on to church and sit around and enjoy each other. This lady's 83 and Mm
4: -hmm. she's a recent Mm widower.
3: And that's it. And she's lonely. And and that's, see, we have our oldest one is 90, our oldest is 94 years old. And so, you know, and that's and I'm thankful she's still able to come to church. But, but that really has, like I said, it's something they did themselves. Nobody sure.
0: did that for
2: them. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think a lot of y'all have had this experience too, where your your prayer time was 20, 30 minutes long. We've had that experience. Uh, but I just found if I did a, if I did the sheet, mm-hmm. and what we, we could do also sometimes we we had emails. Another route we would do is, <clears throat> excuse me. We would send that in an email to everyone had the list. They could pray through for me. We could done a whole lot of conversations.
4: We have a board like this that we put our prayer request on. But then when we get to this person, she goes on and on and on about
3: you just have to interrupt her. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so. I mean, because honestly, she's just lonely. Yeah. And, you know, she honestly is just lonely and just, you just have, I mean, and you think about it, but they she might be offended, depending on how you do it, but she would get in the hang hang of it. We we had a new church, we had a new member join our class, and that was what she did. You know, mm-hmm. she she just kept on and on, but we just we just kept encouraging You know, moving on and sure. encouraging her. So now she's gotten in the habit, and she knows she knows the routine. And like I said, they come thirty minutes early. Yeah
0: like i said i'm not a fan of lecture i like discussion based bible study now what we do in bible studies for life is you're not familiar it's five questions it's a bible study but we only have five discussion questions none of them are academic none of them are uh explain the word paul used in verse 12. it's nothing like that it's more open-ended but what will happen is even with discussion there's always going to be these can be one person who no matter what you ask they're ready for the response. And a long response and so you it, it's just natural some people like to talk some people want to dominate so i found sometimes it's just you know as i ask the question says, says, well uh, and you got to know your group to be able to pull this off to say well you know danielle what do you think about this question and you just instead of you route it to someone who's not that dominating person and once again you got to know your group because you know i, I don't you know i may have just i may have just embarrassed the heck out of danielle put her on the spot uh, and so you got to know your group, not to, not to ask the wrong person. But I might, there are some people that just like to talk. So you kind of divert away from them. And so, well, that's a, you know, they're just, hey, that was a great response. What else? What's, someone else, what are your thoughts? See, my role is to be a guide. Uh, I may be having a discussion, but it's still my responsibility as a teacher to keep them on track. You read those discussions that you go know, five minutes into it, and all of a sudden you realize you were talking about this, and we chased rabbits, and we are way over here. You know, we're in a... Uh, this has happened with teenagers. We're in a study of, say, the book of Colossians. And in five minutes, we're talking about where were the dinosaurs in Genesis.
3: So
0: our job as the guide is just to kind of pull, and it's not just teenagers who do that, okay? My job is to hold them back and just keep us on the trail of where we're going. Uh, so my role as a teacher is to prepare well. Uh, um, and I am sorry I keep talking about Bible search for a lot. We even decide our material there's one point to the study. Now, we break the scripture in divisions, but we only talk about one point. Because, you know, our goal is after 45 minutes, I need to walk away that we have engaged, we understand we want to live that one point. But what happen though is as we have this discussion, we'll start getting and it may be a, a good could row at the chase, but my job is to kind of keep us back on that one spot. And sometimes when that discussion does that as the guy, I may have to say, you know, Lynn, that was a great, that's a really good talk. So well, let's get together after class, maybe, let's, let's talk about this later on. And I Because I don't want to dismiss what's being talked about. So that's great, but let's talk about this some more, maybe at the end of class or something like that. And now i pulling my back on task. That way I'm staying on task. Yet I have not, I, I affirmed the person who was going down the rabbit trail. The other side of the is, comes from Henry Blackaby. Uh, one of the things he talks about in experiencing God. And this is the training for the leaders. He says, you're, he says, you need to be prepared to talk about what that plan, which you're going to be talking about that day. But also be prepared for the Holy Spirit to work. Because sometimes... That rabbit little trail you start to go down, there's a there's a pinch from the Spirit to say, stay on that trail. There's something going on there that you're struggling with. Uh, so it's just being open to the, the Spirit. There has been sometimes I've been so organized and so planned. I've got everything down, and, and at seven minutes we're going to do this. And, and I'm so planned that, that when we start to diverge, or the discussion goes into this. You're getting off my plan, you know, and so you know, I've to watch to make sure I'm not quenching the spirit when he's doing. So just just be a guide. And just uh, just trust the process. But it helps also to be to have a plan in place. Curriculum that you use, whatever Bible study resource you use it should have a teaching plan in it. It kind of guides you. Here's what to ask now. Read this, do this, you know, just to guide you through that. Questions, comments? Sometimes being a guide, by the way, as the teacher, you don't have to do all the teaching. For a group to be able to, maybe there's a certain section of Scripture you're going to talk about, and, and to get a hold of someone beforehand and say, hey, we're going to talk about this. Would you lead the discussion on that? And there's a benefit to that. And I've done this a lot when we were young adults, that um, I'm preparing them to learn how to be a uh, to, to, to guide group. I'm only giving them just a little piece of it. But uh, it's sharing the ministry, it's sharing the load. Someone's going to guide. They hear a different voice for a little bit. And uh, when I actually graduated out in my, my Young adult class I had, I was ready, I said, I know who's going to be this class. i have guiding you. He didn't it yet. But it was one of the young men in the class. And I said, Cooper, you're ready to do this. And uh, so you, by you guiding, by doing that, you're investing in other people and helping them learn how to be a leader.
4: I think one of our responsibilities as a teacher is to lead somebody in our class, to help them through different ways you can to become a teacher. Yeah. And I have mine with me this weekend.
0: See, I think that's the value every teacher to have someone they've mentoring, they've got an eye on, and to walk with them. I'm even sure you can share give them the same leader guide that you're using and let them see. this is how I plan this is how I study most of us teach based on how we saw someone else teach. I mean we really did it. so let's be good coaches for them uh, and that's just we're gu- we're guiding the group and we're guiding them how to learn how to teach so let me talk about two important relationships you're going to need as a teacher all right you agree this is going to be really profound Your first and very important relationship is with God. As you prepare for your Bible study, be in a heart and an attitude of prayer from beginning to end. One thing I ask God to do, I've learned to ask, is as as I'm studying, not what am I going to teach the group? God, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me? We tend to teach out of the overflow. And uh, as I'm preparing, so I, I want to be in tune with God's doing, do uh, this study, what he's teaching me, and then asking him to use me. Help uh, me be sensitive to the questions or comments people say knowing where their hearts are. So your relationship with God, uh, this is a bright group. We know that. I didn't have to tell you that. But that is important. But the other one is your relationship to the group members. Our relationship as a teacher is important. The relationship with the group members. Now, this is going to be maybe an obvious question, but I'm asking ask it anyway. Why is our relationship with the group members important? How does that impact teaching? You know your audience, you know, the needs, you know, you know their needs, okay. their
3: expectations. And also,
2: know you. you know, if you're
0: Good, good. That's good. Okay. So, what are some ways we could do that? What are some ways we could build relationships with the group members? Strengthen those relationships.
5: Yeah, our yeah, class—they love the fellowship. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a huge. You know,
2: it doesn't matter if it's
4: where it is. They love the fellowship. Once a month, we go to lunch together. Mm-hmm. It's a class. Okay.
0: And that's great. There's something about eating. <laughs> you know, there it is. It's, you know, we laugh about how bad is how we like to eat, but there's something about food at mm-hmm. the table that even if I'm having one of those, what do you call it kind of a serious conversation, or what, or what I tell my sons. This is one of those kind of come to Jesus meetings that you know, we have. When you have food on the table with that person, it lightens it up a little bit. You look, look at the life of Jesus. Uh, Gospel of Luke, a writer made, made this comment: "says You look almost all of Jesus' teaching. He's either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's leaving a meal. And meals are through. You know, the, Abraham had the three visitors when they arrived. He fed them. And there's something about the food as a part of the uh, setting. Sort of a little bit of letting our hair down. We want to talk. We're more comfortable." You know, we
4: usually meet at live and then it's probably one thirty or you know, one one thirty-four. we leave maybe two months once in a while. That's
0: good. So all right, a food fellowship certainly is great. What are some other ways we might be able to strengthen relationships? Prayer. Okay. Like for. I feel
3: like when you pray for someone and you pray for them on a consistent basis like God changes your heart towards that person and light makes a connection that you would never make otherwise.
2: That's good.
0: And so that person know hey, I'm pray- I'm going to pray for you this week. Is there something I can pray for you about? That's that's great. Uh, anything else? Something we do is we write everybody's name down
4: on a piece of paper and fold it up, put it in a cup, send it around, and that's the person you're going to pray for all week long until the next Sunday. <laughs>
0: You get another. Well, that's good. Sort of not a secret Santa, a secret prayer. <laughs> that's
3: good. Well, it makes you welcoming. And, and the more, I guess me, the more involved you are with your group, mm-hmm. you become more. call it welcoming. That may not be the right word, but approachable,
4: but you know. Something as a teacher we need to do with it. I'm doing too much talking, but if you hear a prayer request and it's something that they're worried about, something that somebody said, it's your responsibility to call that person Monday, find out how things are going and what you can do
5: for them. I think that brings the caring side out, and also the ministry. Mm-hmm. You, you find something to do together. It's outside of yourself. And it's ministry-related so that always draws the group together because now you have a great purpose. All right.
3: And it's like your relationship with God is is two sides. So you're you know it's you and it's God, and with your
0: group it's you and your group. It's two sides. Good. Now I want to warn you. We're talking about three roles. Does anyone remember what the second role is? Shepherd. It's the shepherd. So we're stepping into that territory already, uh, which is fun. Because what we're going to see is when we talk about the shepherd, there's a lot of this caring and ministry that happens. But even if I have someone who serves as a shepherd, as the teacher, that doesn't put me off the hook. I still think I need to build relationships with the group. It's just it's going to be in a different way. Um, I think it's great just to... I've learned this a few things. We just kind of hang out afterwards. The, the meal we're doing, they see me in a different light. They don't see me as the teacher. They see me more as a friend. They, they, uh, they get to see that when we eat, I tend to drill food on myself. They see me as human. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it changes everything. They see me outside of the Bible, study context, and th- that, that makes us more related. And I really do dribble food on myself. I flew home last Saturday with a big Whataburger stain on my shirt. Uh, my wife just rolled her eyes. She was used to it. So, um, Bruce Raley in the book, he makes this comment about real teaching requires a relationship. Uh, I told the earlier group, he said, This idea, you know, people love, can you give us a video to watch? They want to watch videos. Now, I, I'm in I'm favor of video-supported Bible study, but I don't think videos should be the Bible study. Uh, but that's what they want. They just give us that really great, gifted teacher. We're going to show the video. And my wife was in a, in a class, like, they did this. They did a Beth Moore, I think. And when the, when the video was over, I had a word of prayer, and they were dismissed. Okay, they may have gotten some good teaching. But real teaching is a relationship. Uh, we can't, that's why there'll always be Bible study groups because we we crave relationships. We crave uh, that give and take, that back and forth. You don't get with a video. You don't. So now let me talk about. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. We're gonna pass this real quickly. Now, there are some ruts we tend to get into as teachers, and I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna spare. Uh, we because you were with me last night. I talked about creative ways of teaching. There's eight ways we like to learn. We tend to focus on just stand there and talk. There's other ways people like to learn. And so the ruts, I would say, that we tend to get into, we tend to teach the same way week in, week out, week in, and week out. It's always the same. Put variety in the way you approach how you teach. Um, just, there's fun, there's just fun ways to just get some variety in the way you do it. Shake up how the room looks, just based on what you're doing. If you're going to have any small group peers, already have the chairs turning in circles and then, as they come in. Uh, I, uh, I took this as a compliment time. I was getting my room set up, it was right just about 15 minutes before the study started and two girls that walked by, who in my group walked by, they peeked in and said, oh, hey, how you doing? I said, hey. I said, oh, we just want to see what you're setting up. We never know. And I took that as a compliment. There was a sense of anticipation for them. But what we tend to do is we tend to do the same thing. We sit in rows. I'm going to hit the same. I'm going to, I'm going to approach the Bible study in the same way. Shake it up. Bring in props. Bring in teach, uh, an object that you're teaching with. If you're studying um Jesus and the woman at the well, bring in water, bring in cups, anything, just to find creative ways to teach. Just put variety in the play. All right? Now, that's that's a whole conference y'all y'all want not to from last night, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare a wee of that because she was part of that. Uh, so, yeah, and these are, the, these are the eight ways we do like to learn. Uh, so, and then we talked about just ways you could pull those into your Bible study. If you use curriculum, uh, at least from LifeWay, our Bible Studies for Life, Explore the Bible, Gospel Project, we include options in the teaching plans. Most of the plan is going to be a lot of relational discussion uh, and stuff but we include options that will grab a visual idea, a musical idea, a physical where they're actually up moving around and it's just a way to enhance the learning experience and you don't have to do this for your entire hour Sometimes it's going to be five minutes you get up and you do something different. But because you're doing something different, it connects well. The rest of the hour, they're kind of alert and ready to go. So, all right. We've talked a lot about the teacher. Uh, in, in some ways, that one seems sort of obvious. But let's talk about the shepherd. Again, a teacher can be the shepherd in the group, but it doesn't have to be. You can share the load as the teacher, and get someone to walk alongside you as being the shepherd of the group. Or you may be the one you love leading the Bible study group because you just love shepherding the people, but you tolerate the teaching part. Get someone to walk alongside you as the teacher. Now, what we see as a teacher is it's just someone who guides the group's care. That's the key word. They guide the group's care. So what I want to do, we're going to kind of, I'm going to kind of break this up a little bit. And uh, I'm going to ask you to, uh, on your handout, you see these three sections. A good shepherd has a sense of stewardship, a love for the sheep, and constant vigilance. So what I'm going to ask us to do, I'm going to split us right down the middle. And Keith, on over, or what I want y'all to do, I want y'all to, on your handout there, look at that section that says love for the sheep. And I want y'all just to look at that. You may, it may take a minute to read it, but I want y'all to talk about what that means and how a shepherd would carry that out, because you're going to tell the rest of us in just a moment. Y'all talk about love for the sheep, and, uh, and I want y'all to talk about the one that's the constant vigilance. Just look at that for a moment, and then y'all, y'all uh, see where the string and importance of that is.
2: All right. I love
0: your sheep. <laughs> Which group wants to go first? Y'all sound so enthusiastic. Let's talk about the love for the sheep. Tell us why that's important for a shepherd.
1: Um, I, you know, the Bible often speaks of sheep and shepherd. We all know that, just from But uh, you know, it, it, it's not just love; it's a caring, compassion for. It, as a Sunday school teacher, you really got to know the people and know kind of the inner work for what they have spiritually and as a person. And uh, you want to be able to guide them, you know, a sheep, you got to try to get them through the gate. Some are going to go easily, and some are not going to want to go the other way, and some just stand there. And uh, I'm, I'm not making fun of people, but people sheep, it's about the same way the Bible speaks of that. And uh, as a Sunday school teacher, you got to be able to deal with that, whether they talk too much or whether they... Uh, Think they're farther along than they are, and, and we got to meet those needs just by following God's word. But it, the loving part comes back to uh, just caring for them and, and asking them where they at, what, what's going on in your life, and, and uh, you know, and being compassionate about it. You can you can ask that stuff because you know you're supposed to, but they'll see right through you if you don't really care. Amen. There's an old cliche.
0: That's worth remembering. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. It's an old cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It, it works. Okay. That's great. Thanks, Keith. Y'all covered that well. All right, let's talk about the uh, constant vigilance. Who's our speaker
2: here? I speaker, so I guess I will. Satan is, doesn't give up, he's relentless, and every day he attacks everyone in a certain way, and so you have to be diligent uh, with your classmates, and, and you will and you'll miss it. A lot of times I have missed it a lot of times, so I may not even be the best one to speak about it. We know Satan is, uh, different people will hide it, something I mean, people show sure, The prayer request, bring it up a lot. Uh, got one, uh, one fellow that, uh, in my Sunday school class, and he is actually one of my best members because he has two of my class members who were totally in And he used to be deer hunting with him, So he keeps up with them and goes to see him on a regular basis and he goes back to the class. And so I don't have to do that. Just the class doesn't have to do that. But he's now in the hospital. I was in the hospital this week. So I got to go see him. He had a uh, staph infection in his, in his leg and he had a shoulder problem. Steroid before a shoulder and that inflamed the staph infection, so now they're trying to get stabilize him stabilized. He's a good football guy, high school football team. grandson played the football team. He didn't go for, for the first time in years, just last night. So he's in pretty good shape. But the point is, it's, it happens to everybody, and if you're not if you're not diligent in finding out what's going on, with him. and it's different for everybody. So Satan knows what our weaknesses are, and that's where he attacks.
0: Okay. Right. We should have that love for the sheep. There's a sense that we've got to be constant with that too. There's also a sense of stewardship. And that's just the idea that we've been placed in this position, this role. Now sure it could be the science school director or the pastor who said, Would you do this? But there's also behind that a calling from God to serve in this role. And there's a sense of stewardship. I am responsible for the sheep being put under my care. Now, let me remind you, I want to, I'm going to try to do something here. I want to separate the teacher person from the shepherd person just for a little bit. Again, some of you who are teachers love to shepherd. And some of you, it's a struggle. The reason I want you to think about having someone come alongside you is for the sake of time. We have busy lives. We have full lives. Uh, I was talking to Emily before about a young adult class I helped start. Um, I taught college students there in Nashville and our church is right by Vanderbilt University. Uh, Vanderbilt, the Belmont Baptist schools there and the church, um, David Lipsky, which is the Church Christ That's school, we're just all there. And so we had these college students, but during the worship service, they're always graduate students. Vanderbilt has more graduate students than undergraduate. It's just you know, medical and science and stuff I don't understand. And I kept telling I come to our leadership at the church says no one's reaching these graduates. They're not going to come to my college class. You know, the college class, or they still got, you know, high school guys, freshmen. That are, you know, they're still kind of squirreling. You know how they are. And then you want to put a graduate student four years later, They're so much more mature. They don't want to come. Not for weeks, for months. Guys, we need something. So they finally said, let me figure out we're going to do this. We're going to get someone to teach the college class, and you're going to take on the graduate class. And I said, that's fine. I'll be happy to do that. But... I want someone to walk alongside me in that class to be the leader and the shepherd. And and that class took off. Uh, Once again, there was a need, but I think the key was I had someone who walked alongside me focused on the shepherding and all the other parts of that, and I could focus on just that teaching them. Now, that didn't take away from me having a sense of uh, stewardship with them. I still wanted to love them. I would still make calls, but someone else was also carrying that role now let me throw out a term here see if this is familiar any of you ever use something like called uh, care group leaders you know what i'm talking about all right and some call them class leaders whatever the principle of a care group leader is right here now if we were a sunday school class there's eight of us if i was leading this group i would have two shepherds in this group shepherd for the guys a shepherd for the girls because the idea of shepherd is you want to talk about like a care group leader? You don't want to have a, a big list. One person, maybe give them three or four names at the best. That's it. Because that one person, all they have to do during the week is stay in touch with those three or four people. Now, I want to do that as a teacher. But my life is full just as yours, yours. So for me to get a hold of all eight of you right, every week can sometimes be trying. So I share the load. So what i have learned is, if I'm the you know, overseeing the class, my my group that I shepherd are the shepherds. I stay in touch with them. And now, what they, now we say there's eight of us, but you know, in the reality of a Sunday school class, if yours is like this, you've got eight. You may have more, like 16 or 20 on the road, right? So, care group leader, I don't. You just don't have the ones that are here. You divvy up the names of those who want it, and so they get a contact. As you I'm, going to, I'm going to throw some stuff up here with questions, comments about the idea of getting other people to help with shepherding.
2: My experience has been that with a preacher as well as a teacher, the, uh, you're either a good shepherd or you're a good. If you're a great preacher, you're almost never a good shepherd. The combination of those two usually just don't fit. And my spiritual gift is teaching, me, and I'm not a good shepherd, so I need somebody to help me. I think that's usually the way it is. You get and I'd rather have a shepherd than I have to teach most of the time. You're right; it's hard to find a good pastor
0: and preacher in the same person. No, no offense, you know I do a lot of supply preaching. Uh, done done some interviews. Oh, we want you here. They are our permanent pastors. Well, I think, mean, yeah, you really don't know me that well. <laughs> so I love to preach, I love to teach. I'm that same way. I just I have to have someone walk alongside me you know, to remind me. So that's why you're sharing the love. Uh, it really makes a world of difference. Now I'm going to pop some words up here real quick, and we're going to kind of walk through some of these. Let me talk about how you pull up your care group leaders. Your shepherds. You recruit them. Here's what you do recruiting them. Guys, shepherd guys. Girls, shepherd girls. Period. And by the way, don't get couples to do this. Don't ask a husband or wife to shepherd these. Because you know what happens? Who makes all the calls? The wife. The, wife. the wife. Come on, guys. That's the reality. They're the ones who make the calls. And therefore, the women are calling the women. And the men get left out. So guys, uh, men, men uh, are shepherding men. Women are shepherding women. And so you know, that, that way, uh, they, they're going to build some relationships. And it keeps it, once again, three to four people. That's manageable in any size group, any size church. And the beauty of this is in these relationships is, uh, like Tom was a pastor. Do you know about, well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Have you ever had that incident where someone was in the hospital and you didn't know it? And the fun thing is pastors, when they get mad at us for that, we didn't know. Well, the beauty of Sunday school is, because it's a smaller group setting, those kind of instances are gonna they're gonna be more known. And if it was a shepherd, we even call the absentees. Yes. Those are the ones that so they they, they come to the church just a few times a year and they get mad when the church no one visits them when they're in the hospital. We don't know. But shepherds can find that out. And I'm talking about shepherds who, and their routine is they make that call weekly. And it's not a hey, we're over here in Sunday school Sunday. It could be some hey, just uh, just thinking about you. Glad to see, you know. Um, how can we be praying for you this week? It's a conversation. And now that shepherd heard it, he can share it with the class, the teacher, even the pastor. And now the pastor doesn't get the hot water. But the idea of the relationships is everybody in the group is assigned a shepherd. Everybody gets a contact. Now let's talk about the uh, what resources could a shepherd use. To stay in touch with this issue. What resources could you use? Text. What else? Social media anyway. Okay. The phone. phone. Now my young adult class anyway, I I, I created my own uh, cards for anyone who was interested in joining the class, Um, but I'd ask how would you like to be contacted? Mail, mail, phone, text. 100% 100% text. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a generation.
2: They
0: won't answer that phone call. They'll answer the text. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and, and it doesn't even have to be, sometimes it could just be running into them someplace, it's a grocery store, or something. There's a contact. And uh, once again, let me stress this is not a hey, I hope you're there Sunday. Hey, we missed seeing you last week. You should have been there. It's just, hey, glad to see you. Um, just how can we pray for you? How are things going for you? Keep it personal. And, and you can do the things. We're about to start a new study next week. Uh, we're about to jump into the study. I'm trying to explore the Bible uh, We're going to be starting Bible Studies for Life. We're starting start a new study called Simplicity Finding Our Mentality in God. doesn't Hang in that first Sunday. And it, these don't have to be long calls. By the way, let me share another resource you can use. This is so old school, it's cool again. You ready for this? A postcard. You know, we used to get mail all the time. Do you ever get excited about your first email? Yay! Now we get excited when someone sends us a letter. <laughs> uh, and there's something about that card. I mean, I, um uh, letter, something like that, and uh, it's just, it's fresh, and the thing with emails and text I guess is the same with emailers, I don't save many emails, they believe deleted, we save letters and cards. Um, and there's something about that, so it's so old school, by the way, if, if, uh, if you've got, um, with, with parents who have kids, the kids do something? Uh, and this is something great to work with the kids' teachers on. They face some postcards. Here's the neat thing about a postcard that goes to a young adult, a young kid in family. That postcard, do you know what they do with it? Yes,
4: you it up on the fridge.
0: Yes. <laughs> it gets it gets macked and gets put up there. And I, even some adults do that. Uh, there is a, <laughs> a postcard hanging on my refrigerator right now. It's the only postcard up there that someone wrote last year thanking me mm-hmm. for something. There's an adult writing. I guess it was to remind my wife. See,
2: someone...
0: But uh, (laughs) those things are so old school, it's kind of cool again. You're right, because our children's
4: pastor now sends out postcards. And we have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. They go check the mailbox for those (laughs) postcards. And they, Miss Casey sent
3: us a postcard again. Well, there's so much you can do with them now. The graphics (laughs) are just, you know... (laughs) <laughs> well, we, My refrigerator is full of them, but it's because people have seen me pictures of their kids. You right. know, is there? Well, you can get cards
4: for different occasions from Lifeway and we, you know, sometimes they are on tell I wouldn't get one free. Mm-hmm. And we get all occasion and so if we hear somebody's having a problem, a sickness, we send them. If uh, uh, and at the end of our year, like in August, we send out, now this is just for my class, thank you cards to all the leaders of the church who had a position for what you've
5: done this year in our church. That's great. Um, Lynn, one of the things that uh, we were talking about this in a group last night, uh, and one of the things I've seen with relational. The last three churches I've pastored is I I handwrite a personal birthday and anniversary, anniversary card to every member of the church. And my secretary, it takes some time, but on the desk every Monday, and I go through and I handwrite those notes, and handwritten notes are lost art. Tom, you
0: know, I would
5: like to hug you.
4: I would
0: too. But <laughs> thank you. i tell told you. Some, we're looking for a church home. We've moved about two we moved two years ago, and I still don't have a church home because I'm always preaching somewhere. But when we have visited churches, I actually have a Sunday off I'm visiting. Yeah, during the week I get a letter from the pastor. It's form written. I mean you can tell. It's just it's that standard thing. And I applaud
5: the handwritten personal notes. That is, is Well it takes up for a night. You might text I mean, yeah. Anybody can sign a form letter, or, or actually, most of the
0: guys—they're not even signing because they're using the stamp. Well, they're using the stamp, but to take the time to do that, mm-hmm. and it connects. Yeah, it's great. Now you have to understand—I have kind of an awful sense of humor. I found I go—I go buy postcards at flea markets. Uh, I even got some in antiques. We well, can get it for fifty cents if you get to the right spot. And I will send the most random postcard from like the 1930s of a post office in Poda, North Carolina, <laughs> and it just makes it fun. Uh, I, my mother got a postcard every week from me she never knew where it would come from. Was just, it, was, it was just, I found some from University of Michigan, you know, it's their mascot. Um, but it's fun. And a postcard, you don't have to be long-winded, but again, they put them on the, they, adults don't throw those away. They get saved. So that's a, there's resources like that that you can use, and, and I do not discount social media. Um, on their Facebook pages, a private message to them, or if, if, if it's okay, it's something you could post on their on their page, uh, that kind of stuff. And, uh, people love to be contacted, especially if they know it's not a, well, where were you last week? I called the young adult one uh, school that just started. In fact, it was the first day, and I called her that night, and I was just talking with her for a minute and just there was this pause. And she says, okay, so I appreciate you call. What do you need? She was expecting me to ask her to do something. I said, no, I just called because I knew this first day of school to see how I went for it. Yeah. I found that carried a lot of weight. I'm just calling just because. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what we want to do our shepherds to do that. And it sounds great to do, but oh, oh I can do that if I've only got four names. If I've only got a handful to do. Uh, now let me talk about the rut you can get in on that. The one rut is that you do the same thing every week. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's seven o'clock Thursday night. Any minute, Alvin's going to call. <laughs> you know, it's just it's the routine we get into. Yeah. Uh, so I just because if you do, you run into um, you run into the Publix, the grocery store, have a little conversation while you're, you know they're in aisle seven. That's great. So I may not even send a card that week or, or, or a call or anything like that. Just find some variety in the way you do it. Because I discovered I was sending my young adults texts on Saturday mornings. And they got to be pretty routine. And I realized I'm getting in a rut. So they're kind of expecting it. But the results that you get are phenomenal. People feel connected. And it does have a way of bringing back the absentees. It does. This is important because people, surveys are now showing that people who consider themselves regular church attenders, you attend church regularly, yes, they, they consider themselves even if they only go once or twice a month in their region. In my opinion, they're absentees, but the culture's changed. Just, I'm, I'm a good Christian. I go to church once a month. So, all right, so we're running short on time. And I'm sorry, I think that's important, those shepherds. Let me just talk very quickly about the leader. Um, The leader, once again, can be the same person, but I found it so helpful when I had someone who was the leader, and there's sort of the sense of doing kind of the administrative sort of stuff. Yeah, they do records or whatever, but they're also the one who helps uh, stay in touch with shepherds. Talking about fellowships, my leader is the one who steps in and he really helps organize some get-togethers parties, things like that. Uh, ideal person in that world. I would let them lead the opening uh, opening prayer. He was the one who handled the prayer sheet. Uh, get that going around. And at the end of the class, when, when the study was over, i just sit down, and he would take the last five minutes or so and walk through that. So a leader's going to do things like that. I'm, gonna, we're, I'm pushing this for time, so let me just go over here. Let me talk about uh, some of the ruts we get into. The leader needs to make sure the Bible study does not become a closed group. Now, closed groups sound bad. They're not. There is an appropriate place for a closed group. Uh, If you've ever done Experiencing God, you've ever done a, a, a Beth Moore, Priscilla Shire study, those are closed group studies. There's a place for those. We're all going to be in the study for the next six, eight weeks. Because once you get started, it's hard for new people to come in because they don't know what's going on. There's a place for those, but it's not Sunday morning. You always got to think about guests. And if I'm doing a closed group study and someone comes in, I had this actually happen in Experiencing God one time. Someone wanted to pop, we had no place to put them, so they brought them to my Experiencing God class. That poor, he had no idea what
2: was going on.
0: Uh, So make sure it stays an open group that anybody's welcome at any time. And even though if you're an explorer of the Bible and you're in the book of Titus right now, they come in and you're in chapter three of Titus, they can just jump right in you're part of the group. We design our curriculum, Sunday school curriculum, to be open group for that reason. The other, right, we get into is the idea a bigger group is a better group. No, it's not. There are some Sunday school classes around that are larger than a lot of churches. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the famous one is uh, at First Baptist Dallas. They had a, a uh, Dallas, Texas. They had a, a Sunday school class that was 200 people. That's not it's, a Sunday school class, it's a small church. <laughs> but the, the bigger uh, bigger groups, uh, discussion gets hampered. You got 20 people on a regular basis. I mean, you've probably seen this in some of the conferences, even in some of the larger conferences. You ask a question, you're going to expect about three or four people to answer. Everyone else kind of blends into the walls. They don't have to talk. They don't have to participate. A smaller group allows for relationship building around the study. And then uh, the third thing I'll add is, one of the ruts we get into is we think about the active members. Think about the one who's not there all the time. It could be a guy who, because of his shift work, he can only be there once every third Sunday, um, and it could be that guy. He's divorced, so there's every other weekend he goes and gets his kids, and he's not able to church. There's a lot of reasons. A lot of valid reasons people might not be there. Don't forget them. And it someone who hadn't been back in six months. Stay in touch with them. We tend we tend to think about those who are there. So if we're planning a fellowship, great. Get the word out to everybody on your road. Everybody. So they can be a part of, hey, we're going to get together Sunday after church, Panera Bread, yada, yada. We're going to do uh, this. My um, mind just went blank the maze. We're going to go do a corn maze in October. We, we announce all that to everybody. So that's one of the ruts we get into. The leader's idea uh, is to help us make sure we stay focused on the mission, which is we want to reach as many as we can with an open group. And build relationships. All right, I've gone really fast through that because we're just short on time. Uh, there is my contact information. Uh, my ministry, key ministry right now, is really to help you and yours. So I want you to feel free to contact me about your class. Hey, we've had this come up, our class, i got a question, or uh, even related to Lifeway. If you said, hey, have you guys ever thought about doing this? I'd love to hear from you. So feel free, that is even my personal cell phone number. I am that trusting. Uh, so I'd love to hear from you. Are there any closing questions, comments, or slide remarks? I
5: had a question. You were talking about the big group. So what would you say the max active member, you know, in a class?
0: If I'm if I'm starting to have 15 to 20 on a regular basis in attendance, mm-hmm. that's a good time to give up the class. And, and, and I'm saying dude, invite, we're going to multiply, we're going to birth into the class. Now, if space is a problem, there are some other things you can do with a large group. You can, kind of a master teacher, I mean, I'll talk for a little bit, and then say, okay, I want you in a group, and put them into three or four groups, and just let them circle their chairs or however you turn around in the pew, uh, and let them talk among themselves. And that way relationships are still happening. Uh, so that can happen in a large group, it just takes a little more effort.
1: Lynn, I got a unique situation. I haven't taught class in probably four or five years. Been doing other things in the church. I used to have a young adult class for a very long time. Now I'm going to the oldest men's class in the church and uh, they don't want to use the book. They're uh I wait till a new church here, which would be a week or so, to to move into the classroom and there's you know, I've already kind of fielded some questions, kind of filled them out, so I know all of them. And uh, they said, well, we don't use the book, we use the Bible. Why are you gonna to come to us and start preaching the Bible? You know, three of the guys and I know very well. So kind of started with them, just kind of feeling, you know, what are y'all studying, what are you doing? And they can't even explain to me what they're even studying, you know, and I was kind of like, well. Sure. That's kind of my point. And, uh, the church, the, the book you were just talking about in Titus, it really speaks to where our church is at and where we're going. We just got a new pastor, a very young pastor, 26 years old, he's great. And uh, we have a very seasoned church up in the middle of Georgia, 150 members. And
3: uh,
1: it's a very good church. And uh, you know, it's going through this next growing pain as all churches do. And uh, you know, going into this class, the men's class, it's all men. I'm probably the young this morning there. I'm fifty one. And uh, you know I don't know why they wouldn't want to use a Sunday school book. If they don't want to use the book, teach it anyway. Right, right. That's
0: what uh, and just with. and just use it. i w I've learned this about those who they pridefully say, I just we're just gonna study the Bible. My brother in law is this one. He's got a listen, we're just gonna study the Bible. So I start a them, really? So you're just gonna open the Bible and just whatever, he says. Well, no, I have some commentaries I use to help me think. He says, Oh, you're using curriculum. You're just creating curriculum. You know, now if someone truly doesn't use commentaries, all they got they're just pulling their ignorance, which is dangerous. Everybody uses something to prepare for. And curriculum, we're not teaching the curriculum. We're teaching the Bible. And that curriculum, these books like this, this is, whoops, this is just a tool. It's all it is. It's just a guide to help us get in there. Because most of us don't have time to go find commentaries, do all this research, create a plan to teach with. We provided you a tool to do that. That's all we're providing you. In fact, I encourage you to take that and tweak it to fit your guys. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you're, not, you're not a bad Southern Baptist if you don't teach it like this. Right. So Teach it anyway. and you um, the, the, the one that knows the Bible, you can
2: do it Ephesians. is what we're going to next. Right.
1: I just found it weird that they were saying that. Yeah. I, There's I a, a sense of pride. Class. In that. I had visited their class a couple of times, and it didn't make any sense. I mean, what they were saying was speaking to me, it was the Bible, but I didn't know the direction or the point. You know, every lesson yeah. has a point, and, and I wouldn't hear that. The point is the point. when well, you're going you're gonna to make a
0: world of difference for them when you just kind
1: of
5: subtly give them the point. Thank you for being here. Uh, Tom, I want to whatever you need to do to yeah. close this yeah, out. Let's, let's close in a word of prayer and then uh, we've got a, a little break time and then we'll head up to the worship center for, for our last session together. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing Lynn to us, Lord. because we want to see our, our small groups, whatever we call them in whatever setting that is, we want to see them prosper. We want to see um, relationships with you grow, relationships with each other grow. And so, Lord, help us to take these points and Apply them to our specific settings. So, thank you for your great love for us, and continue to allow us to love you and to love one another. And as, as you change our lives, Lord, we ask that you use us to change the lives of others. So, use your church um, so that we can honor and glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Glad you're here.